This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, which, of course, is our preview edition Browns versus Jags at Cleveland Browns Stadium on Sunday. Lance Reisland is going to come up giving you a film review on C.J. Beathard. He called it uh, some of the toughest film he's had to watch, so I'm excited to hear from Lance about C.J. and uh, some other Jag stuff. Tyler Shoemaker has his bets for you in this game as well, and then our picks are coming up at the very end. And, of course, when I say our, I mean me, Mary Kay, Ashley. We are all standing here in the hallway at the Cleveland Browns. Browns facility on Thursday, and we're going to give you three things to watch in this game. So, Mary Kay, start us off. I am watching Joe Flacco make his second start against these Jaguars, and I'm very interested to see what he's going to be able to do in his second week with these players. Now, what he hasn't had all week is Amari Cooper in practice, and we don't know if Amari Cooper is going to play in that game. And I do think that that will change things if he does play. But I wouldn't rule him out yet because we've seen him in the locker room, and he has seemed somewhat, you know, boisterous and upbeat. And I don't know. It just seems like it could be one of those situations where all of a sudden on Friday he's out there on the field practicing. So I would not rule that out. Uh, and that will really, really help Joe if he's got that deep threat out there because Joe has that big arm uh, that he can get the ball downfield to Amari. It is one of the best aspects of the Browns offense. And when they don't have it, they really are hurting uh, in that regard. So uh, let's watch for that. But just in general, I'm watching for all the different things that Joe is going to bring to the table in his second start. Ashley, I'm still floored by what Joe Flacco did. I mean, we're days later, and I'm still floored by what Joe Flacco did on Sunday, especially because all we've talked about for two years is rust, and it takes time, and is the rust knocked off, and all of this. And, like, Joe Flacco rolls out of bed and throws for 250 yards and two touchdowns. Now, could he have been more efficient? Yes. Could he have protected the ball a little better on that last, that last interception? Sure. It wasn't going to be perfect, but I'm still just completely shocked at what we saw out of Joe Flacco on Sunday. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was listening to our podcast from yesterday <laughs> on the way here today to just kind of remember what we talked about. And I know you brought that up then, and it's like, it's so true. It's like, how much time have we spent talking about that and rust and chemistry and blah, blah, blah. And Joe Flacco comes in off his couch, essentially, and plays the way he did. And I think a lot of that is because of his playing style, right? Like we talk about him being under center. He's more of that traditional sort of guy. He's going to drop back in the pocket. He's not that sort of mobile, obviously, quarterback that Deshaun Watson or DTR are. But I do think what he did was impressive for the circumstances, right? I mean, he is still 38-year-old Joe Flacco. I know he made the joke today that 38 is really only old <laughs> in the NFL, which as a 31-year-old, I agree with that, Joe. Um but it was, I think, an impressive showing for his first time out there and for only having been with this team for a little over a week at that point. I mean, good for him for what he did. But I think that also goes to show, like, hey, 
there might be more to this than what they were able to milk out of it last week in L.A. Right. It's got to get better. Mary Kay, obviously, as good as it looked at times, it's got to get better. Like I said, he could be more efficient. Um, He could probably do more in the passing game than what we saw and him getting a full week of first team reps for the most part. And listen, let's just be honest. They aren't saying it. I don't know if they're going to say it on Friday. Joe Flacco is going to start this football game. There's there's just not a world where that doesn't happen at this point. There is not a world where that doesn't happen at this point. We are just playing a game right now, <laughs> and the game is let's keep giving the Jaguars something to think about, something extra, even if it's only like 5% realistic to think about it. Um, but, you know, there are certain things where, you know, like you talked about that he can improve and he can get better. You know, he only completed – two of six attempts to David Njoku, Mm -hmm. and I believe two of six to Sed Tillman. So there's a lot of room for improvement there. And four of 12 to Elijah Moore. So even though he and Harry, Harrison Bryant, connected on five of five for 49, uh, the percentage, the catch percentage with a number of the other guys wasn't what he would want it to be or what they would want it to be. So there's plenty of room for improvement from a chemistry standpoint. And as I mentioned before, some of that was because Elijah got thrown in for Amari and was taking the X reps. But if Amari goes back in there and is back at X, then I think kind of everything falls into place. And I did think it was interesting, Ashley. Joe was very, you know, he's talked about how important having Amari back is. Like he knows how important Amari Cooper is to, to this receiving core. I mean, yeah, I think anyone with two eyes and any knowledge of not even, you don't even have to have football knowledge, probably just know what a football is, and you would know how important Amari Cooper is right now in this past game. And I think, you know, it's been funny, I've been talking to guys, other receivers on the Browns about why they like playing with Amari, what makes him so good. And I think it was Elijah that told me, like, he just knows football. And I think that's so important when you have a new quarterback that is stepping in because Amari not only knows what he's supposed to do, he knows what everyone else is supposed to do. He knows how to talk to quarterbacks. And I think every quarterback that plays with him, you hear them mention his communication. And I think he just loves talking about routes and football and the game and a game plan and all of that stuff. But that's on top of his physical ability and what makes him such a special receiver in the first place. Okay, let's keep going. Ashley, what are you watching? I'm watching the Browns' defensive line because I thought it was interesting today to hear from Jim Schwartz, and I thought, it, unprompted, he brought up the fact that this defensive line has not had two sacks, or not has not had a sack in two games, I should say, because he got asked a question about Miles Garrett and kind of took it there. And I think I I knew it was bad. I knew they didn't have a sack last game. I forgot that JOK had their sack against Denver. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's right. He's got he's on to something there. So I'm curious how this defensive line is going to respond. If Trevor Lawrence plays, we know he's going to be doing it on an angle that I'm guessing is going to be bothering him at the very least. And I'm curious to see if anybody besides Miles Garrett can kind of close that gap and get these sacks. Mary Kay's been saying it. The next highest sack getter on this team right now is Obo Garanquo with three and a half. Zadarius Smith only has two and a half sacks. He talked to us today, said, you know, he knows he's left some out there. He's missed some plays and he has to do better. So I'm really curious to see kind of how they take this time. He said they've been getting, quote, chewed out by Jim Schwartz the last couple weeks for their performance. So I'm curious, can they get back to the way they were at the beginning of the season? Yeah. So Mary Kay, this is always something that on Twitter can get a little dicey, right? You start talking about sacks and then people get mad and they start saying, well, look at the pressures. Like you can talk about both. You're allowed to talk about both. You're allowed to say, yeah, the Browns are getting a lot of pressures, but also 
it would be nice if they could get some more sacks. Well, you know, there's a reason why usually every year the NFL Defensive Player of the Year <laughs> is the guy that leads the NFL in sacks that year. Or it's a guy that almost leads in sacks and then has five strips or something to go with it. Because sacks are important. We can listen all we want to Bill Belichick and everybody else telling us that sacks are not important. But even Jim Schwartz acknowledged today that when you are around the quarterback and you're wreaking havoc and you're messing him up, and hey, if you can happen to drop him for eight yards for an eight-yard loss and maybe get the ball out, that's cool too. (laughs) But the thing is... This defensive line is built for multiple guys to have double-digit sacks. If you look at Jim Schwartz's defenses with the Eagles, right, and other teams, they've had like two, sometimes three guys with double-digit sacks, and it's not happening this year, and it's kind of weird. And the last two games, okay, they're getting, they're doing, they're playing the quick game. They are definitely playing the quick game. They're getting the ball out very quickly, and they're playing good quarterbacks. Okay, Russ knows how to not get sacked. Matt knows how to not. I'm on a first name basis with these guys, by the way, but they know how to not get sacked. And you know, I haven't really studied Trevor Lawrence's sack numbers yet, but I mean, if he is playing on one leg like Joe Burrow was in Week One. Uh, you know, chances are he's not going to be able to escape pressure the way that the last two guys they have played have. But, you know, teams are game planning to take Miles out of the game. And they are really saying, if we can get Miles out, we don't have to worry about sacks too much. And that's not how this was supposed to go. You were supposed to be able to take Miles out of the sack game and then have two other guys that were going to get home and knock the quarterback's block off, right? Not happening. And with Z, it's a bit puzzling to me in a way because you see him out there doing really, really good things, but he's not getting home, and it's odd because he is he is singled up, you know? I mean, Miles is taking on the double teams, and some of these other guys are singled up, and they're still not getting the sacks. And Z, if you count up his last... I can't remember if it's last seven or eight games of last year, maybe nine. Mm -hmm. He had like a half a sack Mm -hmm. in the last seven games. And then you add the first 12 games of this year. Yeah, we're into 12, right? Yes, that Uh, sounds right. Yeah, yeah, okay, so we're talking about 19-ish games. Three sacks. And he had 10 in his first. He was in the conversation for NFL Defensive Player of the Year after the first, like, eight games of last year, the first eight or nine games. And he had 10 sacks. And then it's like, where did they go? It's bizarre, right? It's, it's almost a little hard to believe. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with that. But he obviously really, really wants to try to get those numbers up. We'll see what he does in the last five games. But, you know, that's been a problem. You take Miles out, nobody else is getting home. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 27 sacks that's this a lot. year. Wow. Um, 6.3%, which is the highest sack percentage of his career. He had was sacked 27 times last year, 32 his rookie year. So, yeah, he's up to 27. He'll take some sacks. And they're, left, uh, they're down to their second left tackle because I believe their left tackle is injured. And their left tackle, who stepped on his foot during this game, suffered a hamstring injury in that game. So he's kind of gimpy this week, too. 
So I'll I'll take the low hanging fruit here this week, and I'll take Trevor Lawrence. Um, is he going to play or is he not going to play? Because speaking of those sacks, Trevor Lawrence is a mobile quarterback. He does a lot on the run. He's also like this freakishly tall human being. Uh, we've all seen him do the reach over the line of scrimmage. To, to see, he did that in the wild card game last year. He did that Monday night. Um, I'm sure he's done it other times too that I haven't seen. But Trevor Lawrence, this is one of those situations, Mary Kay, where it's like. You'd rather have Trevor Lawrence maybe even at 50% than C.J. Beathard, but also the Browns would much rather have Trevor Lawrence at 50% um, because that means that he can't move as well. That means that he is a little bit of a sitting duck in the pocket, and Miles and Z and Dalvin and Oboe and all these guys can maybe start to pile up some of these quarterback hits and sacks. Well, you know who he is if you take away his mobility. Joe Flacco? He's Joe Flacco. <laughs> <laughs> They're both six foot six. They're both wow. enormously tall. Uh, they both weigh about the same. Trevor's got better hair. Oh, that's true. I would argue that Joe Flacco has better hair. Oh, boy. Okay. I would argue that Joe Flacco has better hair. I did, I'm not a fan of the Trevor Lawrence No, I, okay. I kind of like it. Really? I, like I know Dan thing. likes it. He has his thing, right? He yes. has his thing and he sticks to it. And yeah. I could respect that. However... I would say that Trevor Lawrence would look better if he got Joe Flacco's haircut. Oh, I like the hair. I like the hair. We can agree to disagree. This is the hot take section of the pod. Search for the uh, Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) Search for the Trevor Lawrence lookalike. I think it was. uh, I think she was a student at Clemson, and she was the Trevor Lawrence lookalike. So see if we can find that. I I love the hair. I think it's cool. I think it's. I think it's fun. The reality is, I've probably just given Trevor Lawrence a ton of bulletin board (laughs) material, so the Browns can come after me if he references this in his post game interview. He will. Uh, so he is, yeah, he's almost like a, a Joe Flacco. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence can just stand in the pocket and deliver the ball really quickly, because that's what he's going to have to do, you know, is that the worst thing you can get out of a quarterback? I mean, he could probably, you know, maybe roll out a little bit, play the boot game some. Um, but but one key thing is that he doesn't have Christian Kirk this game. And I think that hurts them. I mean, he's their leading yeah. yardage getter amongst receivers with 787 or something like that. 787? Oh, my mark. goodness. I, I told am you. Mary Kay's memory is, uh, <laughs> gosh. I, I can remember these numbers. What is it about? I didn't know until, until Dan told me it was one of my superpowers. I didn't realize it. Um, so, you know, he can... Uh, get the ball around to a lot of weapons. He's got some really, really good weapons, but he doesn't have Christian Kirk, and I think that's going to hurt them, but they're going to need somebody else to step up. They have got another guy that can step up into his spot, Um, but it almost seems to me like it's trending towards him playing. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, Ashley, I mean, I've, I've kind of been saying it all week. If this were the playoffs, there's no doubt we wouldn't, it wouldn't even, maybe they'd play, do a little gamesmanship thing, but he's playing if this is a playoff game, and this is an important game, so I think he's going to, he might be questionable on Friday, but I think he's going to try and go. Yeah, and we know because Mary Kay has pounded this into our heads that this is not a must-win game for either team. <laughs> but we talked about it yesterday. We did the whole layout for like the AFC in general, the AFC South, what they're up against in their division. Like It's pretty darn important that they get every single win they can right now. And they've had a lot of success on the road this year. So I'm sure that's in Trevor Lawrence's mind. As well. And I think, you know, we heard Amari Cooper flat out say, we talked about this, that he thinks to himself when he's injured, if it was the Super Bowl, would I play? And for most of the time in his career, the answer has been yes. I do think there are a lot of these guys on these teams that are in the playoff hunt at this stage in the season, are competitive. 
or in the AFC in general, knowing how competitive the conference is this year. And they put themselves in a similar situation, I think. And knowing how good Trevor Lawrence has been, I imagine he's a guy that's played bang up before. He's never missed a game in his career so far. I just wouldn't be surprised either, even if he is questionable. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, Lance Reisland will join us to break down the Jags film. Then Tyler Shoemaker will join the show to give us some of his best bets. And then we'll be back to make our way to early picks for Sunday's game between the Browns and Jags. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, previewing the Browns and the Jags on Sunday. And as we do every Friday, we welcome on Lance Reisland to break down the film of the upcoming opponent. Lance, how are you? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you tonight? Doing well. Uh, Got a little extra work for you this week because we don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback. So we're going to talk a little Trevor Lawrence and a little C.J. Beathard. Let's start with Trevor, who did return to practice on Thursday. I would imagine he's going to try and give this a go. So let's just start there. What, what kind of quarterback is Trevor Lawrence? Well, he's he, in my opinion, before he got hurt there, he's he's on the verge of being one of those top five guys, right? So he when you watch their offense and to say they would uh, struggle without him, I think it's an understatement. Uh, he's really, really good. He does a lot of things that you can't teach in terms of depth of throws and accuracy and uh, moving is a big part of what he does really, really well. Uh, you know, he's thrown for over 3,000 yards. He's got 14 touchdowns, seven picks. Um, he's just really athletic and he's, you can kind of all see it slowing down for him. He had, had a, you know, that whole kind of program, that whole system, they, they've kind of all put it in and now they're kind of getting it and they got some good receivers, uh, not having Kirk will hurt him. Um, not being able to move will really hurt Trevor Lawrence. His movement is really important. Not all, not all the time in scrambles, just that pocket movement. Um, so if he can't move it, it's a different quarterback and it doesn't, doesn't quite, um, scare you as much without his movement. That was going to be my next question. Um, and so I guess, is he a guy that if he has to just sort of sit in the pocket and be that type of quarterback, can he still be successful like that? Well, I think he can, but not having Kirk hurts them and ETN being beat up. I don't think they're good enough to run the ball right at you. Their offensive line's good, uh, but they're more horizontal displacers, meaning they're trying to get in the way. Um, where the Browns guys are trying to knock you over. Uh, neither one is right or wrong. It's just different philosophy. Um, you know, they're very multiple in what they do, but he, part of what they do is they run that boot waggle, uh, similar to what the Browns do. They run some levels. Uh, they run some dash stuff where they're just going to sprint him uh, off, uh, you know, off a three-step drop and things like that. So, um, yes, I think he can do it. I just don't think um, without Kirk they can be as explosive uh, and dynamic, especially on first down. Um, I think they become much more of a, uh, you know, a run, run, pass kind of deal in terms of first, second, third down uh, without his mobility. His mobility really makes their offense really, really tough to stop. Okay, so let's talk about the other guy. Uh, you, this, this sort of goes back to Clayton Toon, right? Like you had watched more Clayton Toon film than anyone. Uh, I'm wondering if now at this point you've watched more C.J. Beathard film than anyone. So that's the guy that Browns fans really don't know a ton about. So let's get into him. How was that experience for you? And, sec- well, <laughs> and secondly, how did he look? <laughs> well, it's uh, it wasn't the most exciting. Um, you know, I watched probably more film than I, uh, I care to admit. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's uh, 
So I went back, I tried to find when he was at his best. And I think when he was at his best is middle of the season, 2017. Uh, yes, I went back that far uh, trying to get some information. Um, so he had a uh, like a two-week stretch where he had the Cardinals, they lost a close one, and then the Giants, they won a, a close one. He threw for almost 300 yards, but kind of did some things. Now, I, I guess his be- my best definition for him, he's a – um, he's a very usable backup quarterback in the NFL. Uh, he can run okay. Uh, he can't make all the throws. Um, <clears throat> he seems pretty knowledgeable. He kind of he comes out of Iowa, so he has that ability to um, run the offense. He'll get you into right checks. He looks like he knows what he's doing in terms of where he's going with the football. Uh, he seems to understand fronts and coverages. Uh, he's just not real talented. He's, uh, he's uh, I guess, kind of blah. You know, he's not – uh, he's not terrible at anything, uh, but he's not great at anything either, if that makes any sense. He just kind of uh, – he's a very serviceable backup. I think he's kind of what the NFL is looking for. Um, I think if he had Kirk, if he plays, if he had Kirk, it makes – he gives you – you know, gets you out of a lot of trouble. Kirk is really, really good. Ridley's kind of really good too now. He's getting there, kind of reaching his potential. Uh, but he's uh, – you know, like I said, his feet aren't great. Uh, he'll make some plays with his feet. He's not a runner. You're not running a read game with him. You're not, uh, you know, he could do some run pass options a little bit. I'd say his best trait is understanding and being a really, really good um, understanding of what he's seeing. So, you know, he's a, a guy who can process all the information he's seeing uh, with not maybe being able to make all the throws at times, but he can make enough throws um, if needed and if he gets protection. So uh, he's like not a terrible backup whatsoever. He's a pre, he's a, he's a uh, upper a top upper shelf kind of uh, backup where he's just going to be solid. Okay. So you've mentioned this name a couple of times. So I want to uh, go a little off script here because Christian Kirk is a guy that I really liked coming out. Um, he, of course he got paid by the Jags and I, th- I think he's done really well for them. So what are they, what are they losing with him being out of this game? Well, he's really good. He runs really good corner routes and he runs really good, like digs and he's a really good route runner and he's kind of strong when he catches the ball. So, you know, I liked him at Texas A&M. He, he does a lot of really good things in space, uh, and he kind of gives them kind of a complete package with the receivers. I'm a big, big, huge Evan Ingram fan, and he's starting to really get it, and I think that's one of the keys for the Browns. But uh, Kirk gives you that speed. You know, he got hurt on a corner route, first play of the game kind of deal. He landed wrong, um, you know, and, and he's uh, he was their go-to guy. You could tell he's on the same page with Lawrence. Uh, he's the guy that got him out of, you know, third down and long, and he would look for him. Uh, they did a lot of things scheming him up uh, out of their multiple sets. They run a lot of formations, but they did a lot with him, uh, putting him at different spots, trying to get him the ball. So he's a guy not only do you lose uh, his playmaking ability, but it's hard to replace a guy who plays multiple spots because that's usually going to take more than one guy. Um, though I think Parker Washington did a really nice job, had six for 61 last year, in a, uh, last week in a touchdown, his first catches of this year. So I thought he did a nice job. He's just not as uh, polished as Kirk at this point in time. Okay, so let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. What else do uh, what else do people need to know about this Jags offense? Well, Travis Etienne. Um, well, let's just say this: if it's if it's if if Lawrence is in the game, I think they got to get him off his spot and make him mobile with that ankle. If Beathard's in the game, they got to take away the short passes, especially to Evan Ingram and Etienne. I think Etienne. Um, you know, they want to throw the ball when Lawrence is playing. They want to throw the ball. They're not super. Uh, they're multiple with their run game, but they don't want to run the ball as much. They want to show the run to set up the pass. So with Beathard in there, I think they'll throw it a little bit more. But if you watch the if you watch the overtime, uh, he does a really nice job of checking the ball down to Etienne. He does a really nice job of getting some option routes to Ingram 
Uh, he actually makes a big play to Ridley that got called back for a holding, uh, or they, they possibly could win that in overtime. So he did some really nice things, but he's going to be close to the best. He's going to be really, um, you know, going back to be a service, uh, really serviceable backup. He's not going to take a lot of risks. So not taking a lot of risks. You got to see the Browns got to, if he's in the game, they got to crowd the line of scrimmage, not only to stop the run, but take away those check downs, those arrows, those curls, those hitches, uh, make him push the ball vertical. Cause that's something he really doesn't want to do too much. Um, obviously, like I said, Travis Etienne is very good. I think um, Ridley's coming into his own. Ridley's a guy that they run the jet sweeps with. They'll do some reverses with. Uh, he's, he would be their gadget guy, their quick screen guy, their RPO guy. Parker Washington was pretty good uh, last week. You can see him. He's pretty good on their kick returns, punt returns. They're trying to get him some touches. Uh, I, like I said, I think Ingram's their best offensive player consistently wise because he's a matchup problem. I think Browns match up with him well with their athleticism and Emerson. I like Luke Farrell is a good inline blocker. Their offensive line's okay. They're not they're not killers. Uh, they're trying to get in the way, and they're pretty solid pass protection guys. Uh, but that would be it. You know, if if, if Lawrence doesn't play, they go from uh, a high level offense to a very very mediocre offense just because of the level he was playing at. So I know it maybe wasn't up to their standard on Monday night, but the defense has been a very good run defense all year. Um, what does Jacksonville do defensively, and how should the Browns uh, attack them? Well, inside, uh, if you watch them inside, they're those guys. They have like kind of a body type. They like these like these big long guys with uh, um, even inside, you know, kind of. But I will say this: if you watch the uh, Cincinnati game and go back and watch a couple games, those defensive tackles, if you run vertically right at them, they're not very good. Um, they get moved and they get moved bad. So uh, now that being said, if you try to run horizontal, if you try to uh, man block them, they're really tough to block because they're. They're a very gap penetrating team. It's a very aggressive defense. They're long. Um, Foyesade Olukin uh, took me a while to learn that one today. He's a heck of a linebacker. Um, he has 131 tackles. He's sideline to sideline. He kind of fits that mold. He's a, a long guy, long arms. He plays very well. Uh, secondary wise, I think they're okay. Um, really like Cisco, the the safety. I think he's aggressive in both run and pass. Their corners can be had. Williams and Campbell both can be had. They both really struggled with Jamar Chase last week. He had 150. So, um, you know, second is, you know, obviously, and then, you know, leaving the last for best, Josh Allen's a guy that got a block. He's a, um, he's a guy, he's a game wrecker. He's got 13 and a half sacks, 11 tackles for a loss. He's a game wrecker. So they have to make sure that they, they double and chip him. Um, kind of what the Rams did last week, the miles in terms of you never leave him alone. And, uh, that's something the Browns got to do. And I think, and I've always believed this, but because he's not a huge guy, you know, he's two in the 260 range running right at him. Um, that will slow him down. It, it, not only in the pass game, everybody talks about chipping and tight ends, but what really slows a pass rusher down is running the ball right at him. So um, they're solid. Their special teams are solid. Uh, again, um, what makes them click is their complimentary football. And when you have the elite quarterback, everybody else is better. When you don't have the elite quarterback, it kind of exposes all the weaknesses. And they're they're soft in the middle, uh, and they can be beat on the outside for sure. Well, and one other thing that helps too is don't have Tyler Boyd throw a ball directly to Josh Allen. That's uh, I would that advise was, against that. <laughs> well, that was arguably the the worst trick play I've I've seen in a, a number of years. He just it didn't see him. He panicked. Um, you know, it's always funny. I, I just had a conversation with like, why would you do that? You know, there's such a fine line between creativity and stupidity. And, uh, I've crossed both lines. Uh, I called play for 20 year, two, 22 years and I've crossed both lines, um, both many times. So it's, it's really, really hard. You take your chances, but yeah, that was, uh, that was one that definitely, um, he wanted back. That was a, that was a really bad football play. 
Do you think this is a good matchup for the Browns? Just hearing you talk about this team, it feels like this sounds like a good matchup. I think it's a great matchup, and uh, obviously, I try to be—I try to be as uh, even keel as I can in terms of watching the film. And I always believe in matchups. And uh, when I was coaching, I always believed in that. You know, you don't believe what a team is. It's not—it's uh, not history. It's not—it's th- that week for those four quarters, and it's your eleven versus their eleven on the field. And without Lawrence or Lawrence not hit, being one hundred percent, I do. I think the Browns match up well because of the scheme offensively running the ball with Flacco, they're going to be more downhill run because he likes to set up in the pocket. So you're going to get more downhill run so you can get the play action. Um, I don't think their secondary uh, is very good in terms of giving up. They give up big plays. Um, I think they're on the uh, lighter side, so they can be pushed around, especially vertically displaced. Um, and I just think the weather, I think you practice in that weather a, a lot. The weather is going to bother them. And you can say whatever you want. It doesn't mean they're soft. doesn't mean they have to come out with their sleeves. It just means it's hard. It's just weird. Uh, when you practice, it's like in Ohio, when you go from, you start in the summer, it's hot. You have to acclimate. And that's tough to do. And it's going to be, seems like it's going to be pretty crappy on, on Sunday. So um, I do, I like the matchup. I think it's close to the best. The Browns run the football. I think they, they I think without, if Lawrence doesn't play, I, I, I believe the Browns can win. Um, win this football game by controlling the line of scrimmage and, and shortening the game. All right. So, what's your pick for this one? Boy, I went back and forth on this one. So, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna be texting you if Lawrence looks good in practice. I'll be texting you for my uh, change uh, later in the week. But I'm gonna go the Browns, and I'm gonna go 13-10 Browns. I think it's a little scoring. Um, that's that's with the assumption that um, I think the weather's gonna be bad. And I think uh, I don't think Lawrence is going to play. I don't think he's going to be able to play with the the wet field. I don't think they're going to risk it. I could be wrong, um, but if he does play, I think they'll get him off his spot. This is not a good defense to play against if you're not mobile right now. So I get the Browns 13-10 in a slugfest uh, with uh, bad weather. Okay, there we go. That is Lance Reisland joins us every Wednesday and Friday here on the podcast to break down the previous game, preview the opponent ahead. We're going to take a break here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. When we come back, Tyler Shoemaker will join us to give us his betting advice for this game and others. And then Ashley and Mary Kay will rejoin me and we will make our picks for this game. Lance, as always, appreciate the time. Thanks a lot, my friend. Talk soon. Our Browns-Jags preview pod continues. We welcome on, as we do every week, Tyler Shoemaker. Tyler, how are you? Good, Dan. Good to be back. All right. I'll tell you what. I am glad to be back in a state where uh, sports betting is legal. (laughs) I I like California. I like the weather. There's a lot of things I like about it. Uh, But I am happy to be back somewhere where I can actually place some bets uh, when Sunday rolls around. Absolutely. Okay, let's get to it. Um, let's get some updated rankings from your index here. Who are your top five teams now as we head into this week? Yeah, this week uh, saw a little bit of movement. And the the thing that stuck out most is there's there's a clear top three. And then after that, it, it really kind of drops off. So I've, I've still got the Niners number one, and they've separated even more after you know beating down the Eagles, followed by the Ravens again and the Cowboys. So from the Niners to the Cowboys – is an 8.9 rating to a 6.7 rating. But then from number three to number four, down to the, the Dolphins now, up to number four, their rating is 4.2. So they're two and a half uh, rating points behind the Cowboys at number three. So there's a, there's a clear drop-off there to number four. And then the Bills, uh, again, in the top five at number five with a 3.9 rating. Okay, so that's interesting. Is this the the kind of first time this season that you've seen that sort of separation at the top then? Yeah, I mean, we, we've we had the same, it's been the same kind of rank at the top, 
you know, with, with the, the, those three teams, but the, the actual rating itself, which I always describe as the, the nuance in between the ratings, um, that definitely jumped out at me this week. I, I will say one of the things I've noticed as, as we've gone through this is, um, you know, certainly you do see some of the same teams at the top, but the Ravens have always just sort of been sitting there all, all season long. I know that, that at some points they've been number one. Uh, now they're number two. But they've just sort of been there, just kind of hanging out yep. near the top of your rankings all season. Have they been the most consistent team at the top, or has there been somebody else? I I would say so, because I know at one point, I mean, gosh, early in the season, I wrote an article for VEASAN about how the Cowboys' current power rating, I think it was in week four maybe, their power rating was on track to be like one of the historic power rated teams in my numbers. And then, you know, now they're sitting at number three. So, uh, and the Niners kind of the same thing. They, they had a couple weeks there in a row earlier in the season where they, they didn't look great. Uh, so the Ravens, yeah, to your point, the Ravens have been probably the most consistent team uh, that, that I've seen in, in the ratings at, at the top, at least. Okay, let's flip it and let's get to our Hugh Jackson five at the bottom. Hugh Jackson five, a lot of familiar faces here. Cardinals <laughs> uh, at number 28. Followed by the Patriots, who got shut out. Not to get too far ahead, Patriots as a stay away. I, I'm not even going to say them in that segment because they're just an automatic stay away at this point. Uh, followed by the Panthers. The Giants actually move up. The Commanders, after getting destroyed by the Dolphins, drop to dead last with a negative 7.3 rating. That's uh, that's impressive. Um, I'm, I, I've told you about the survivor pool I'm in. I'm getting down to like the, the dregs of the teams that I have yeah. to pick. I had to sweat out a Falcons game on, on Sunday. Yeah. But at this point, if I'm getting any, if I have anybody who's playing the Jets or the Panthers, that seems to be the safest play. Now I say that and one of those teams is going to pull an upset and I'm going to get, get eliminated here. But it just, it seems like that's been the safest play here in the last few weeks. Yeah, the I mean, the only thing that that saves the Jets is that their defensive rating is is decent. Otherwise, they would be they would certainly be here in the in the Hugh Jackson five for sure. All right, let's uh, let's get to this Browns uh, Jaguars game. A lot of quarterback uncertainty. Uh, now, look, I I think Joe Flacco is going to start this game. I think Kevin Stefanski is. This is a little gamesmanship on his part. On the other side, though, we don't know about Trevor Lawrence just because of the injury. It's an ankle. It's a high ankle. Um, I would imagine if this were a playoff game, he would be out there, which makes me think that he's going to try and give it a go because this is an important game. As we're looking at this on Thursday morning, the Browns are favored in this game by three and a half points. The total is 30 and a half. This is on DraftKings, so um, it could be different elsewhere. Uh, where, where do you have this game? So I project Browns minus one and a half uh, with a total of 45. So, the total in particular, but even the spread on this game tells me that odds makers are expecting Trevor Lawrence not to play because I can't imagine if he was playing that these would be that this would be the spread and the over under. So I'm assuming he's not playing based on this line. Um, I mean, very rarely, especially in the NFL, do I have this much value on a total. And again, you know, I don't adjust my numbers for injuries, so. For there to be this much value tells me that that they're counting on Trevor Lawrence not playing. Which even even if he doesn't play, that's still I mean two touchdowns is is insane. Yeah, that's I, I mean since we've started doing this, I don't think we've had a total that's that different where they're saying I mean thirty and a half is a low total for anything. I, I'm I'm actually looking right now. Um, I mean that's only half a point more than Patriots Steelers. Yeah, I mean that, that, that's <laughs> got to be one of the one of the lowest of the season. Uh, I, I haven't looked at that, but that the 30 and a half has to be one of the lowest of the season. And I don't understand because I mean, Brown's games for the last, 
you know, four or five weeks, I feel like have, have all been pretty pointsy for the most part. So I don't, I don't quite understand that. I mean, I get the quarterback uncertainty thing, but I mean, these are still football players. I mean, we just saw with the, with the Bengals and Jags, you know, down to two, two backup quarterbacks and, and that game ends up with 60 some points. So uh, I 30 and a half is, is very low. Yeah. And I'm, I'm checking because my first thought was um, it's something I haven't looked at yet is, is weather. It's supposed to be in the 40s. Yeah, I, I checked that too. Cause that, that's usually the only rain, other thing that would, but, that would cause that type of discrepancy. And, and based on what I saw, it looked like it was just going to be cloudy and, you know, a little chilly. Yeah. And yeah. And even if there's rain and, and some wind, I don't think it would, it's going to be as bad as, as we've seen to cause some of these low scoring games. So uh, what, what do you like in this game? Yeah, I'm I'm going to take the I mean, I feel obligated to take this over 30 and a half because I mean, <laughs> it's not every day, really not even every season that I see a, a discrepancy like this on a, on a total. So, I mean, you know, even if my number is a little high because I don't adjust for the injuries, I just I can't imagine that any player or, you know, couple of players is worth 14 and a half points to a total. So uh, I'm, I'm going to play the over 30 and a half and then I'm also going to piggyback off of that from a Browns angle and take that uh, team total over seven and a half in the first half, which we played uh, two weeks ago, I think in, in that cash. So I'm going to, going to ride the total here. And then from the, from the Browns angle, take the, the team total first half over. I like first half totals. Those, those are fun. Um, the, the other thing I'm thinking too, is the Jaguars are, uh, you know, they force a bunch of turnovers. They're second in the league in uh, takeaways. And we've seen the Browns, can force turnovers and we know what this defense is capable of. I mean, you get a miles Garrett strip sack score or a Jaguars, you know, interception, they take over at the five. You're kind of, if you took that under, you're going to be in trouble. So, I, I mean, both of these defenses are capable of either scoring or putting their offenses in position to score. So I don't know. I, I based on what you're saying with your total and just thinking that way, I, I would have to stay away from this under just because I'd be, scared to death of a defensive yeah, well, touchdown I mean, or something that that's one under yeah exactly screwed. well and i think odds makers are are kind of along the same lines as you because i was as i was looking through the DraftKings app to, to figure out what we were going to play this week i noticed the total turnovers for the game line is two and a half and the the over is juiced to like 145 or something so I mean, odds makers are expecting some turnovers in this game too. And and to your point, a turnover leading to to really good field position or you know a scoop and score pick six type of thing, and that, and you're you're dead on an under in that in that type of situation with a total this low. Okay, what's your uh, what's your favorite bet of the week? I'm gonna go with the Bears Lions over forty one and a half. Uh, the Lions are kind of another team that like I think they're a really good team, and I they obviously win a lot of games, but their games always end up very pointsy and 41 and a half is not particularly a high total. Uh, and, and the bears for all their deficiencies, their games have, have generally been pretty pointsy this season as well. So uh, I, I like those two teams to go over. I know I generally don't like to bet overs on, on divisional games, but these are, these are two teams I'm willing to make an exception for because they, they generally just get really pointsy. And then there's, what are you staying away yeah, like from said, this the week? Patriots and auto stay away. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm going to go back to the Bengals because <laughs> I mentioned last week how, you know, my numbers have been kind of like on them, but I was too scared to pull the trigger. And, and then sure enough, like against the Jags, they, they win the game outright as, as 10 point underdogs. I, I just have no idea what to, what to make of them. I mean, Jake Browning gets AFC offensive player of the week, but for all we know next week, he's going to show up and throw three interceptions. So uh, I, I don't want any, any part of the Bengals. 
Okay, I'm going to ask you about this one. Uh, I've, I've checked the total in two spots, and it's the same in, in both places. I'm looking at this Bills-Chiefs game, uh, Sunday afternoon, one of the marquee games this week, and the total on this one is 48 and a half. And I think the Chiefs' defense is good. I think the you know the Bills are banged up. Uh, obviously, they've been hurt all year on defense, so their defense isn't quite what it what it should be. Um, the Chiefs' offense has been a grind lately. Uh, they're struggling to find receivers. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes, so so that scares you. But is this an under spot? Maybe in Bills Chiefs, forty eight and a half feels high for kind of how the Chiefs have been playing offensively and how good I think their defense. Yeah, is. no, hundred percent. This would be this would be an under for me. I I considered this, and I may end up actually betting this myself. I project forty three. Uh, and again, looking at, at the eight different formulas that I run, only one of them puts this game over the total. The rest of them, the rest of them are more like 42, 43. So I, I'm, I'm definitely with you on, on the under here and I may end up betting it myself. Okay. And this is my, this is my selfish question. It applies to none of our <laughs> listeners, but um, I, I talked about that survivor pool where I'm basically fading either the Jets or the Panthers. And right now I'm eyeballing the Houston Texans. Uh, over the Jets as my survivor pick. It's one of the few teams I have left. I have confidence in the Texans. I know that Jets defense is really good. Tank Dell is out for the season now for the Texans, but I still feel good. I, I would still feel good taking the Texans here. Am I reading that yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I do project the Texans to win. I only make the Texans a two-point favorite, though. Um, you mentioned... You mentioned the Panthers. Uh, they play the Saints. I've got the Saints as a seven and a half point favorite at home against the Panthers. So if you're torn between those two, I would lean Saints over the Panthers. But if you feel like you need to to use the Texans here, this this probably would be the spot to use them. Okay. See, now I'm just completely torn. <laughs> Sorry, I, did, I didn't mean to make your decision harder. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> I'm, I might just I might just take the Saints so I can. Yeah, blame there you go. That, that's okay. <laughs> All right, that is Tyler Shoemaker. Tell everybody where they yeah, can find, find me at, at vsin.com. All my best bets on college football bowl season, NFL season, men's and women's college basketball. We've been killing it in, in basketball so far. So definitely um, follow my my writing there. Follow me on X at T-Shoe Index. That's, that's the best place to get all my information, all my bets. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock will rejoin and we'll make our picks for Sunday's game. Tyler, appreciate the time. Yep, thank you, Dan. Welcome back to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast, our Browns-Jags preview. Thanks to Tyler, thanks to Lance, Mary Kay, and Ashley are back. We are going to pick Browns-Jaguars. The line on this right now is the Browns favored by three and a half points. The total on this game is 30 and a half, which what? is incredibly what? low. 30 and a half? Yes. Like 30.5. Yes, which is, line. just okay. to put that in perspective, the Thursday night game between the Steelers and the Patriots is 30. So, like, this game is a half. So, I don't know if it's weather. I don't know if it's the quarterback situation. I don't know what it is. But it's a very low, low total here. Um, which, I'm going to guess it's quarterbacks. Like, probably. That seems like over... I know I listen to Tyler's segments of the podcast. That seems like lines overcompensating for quarterback issues. Yeah, and then um, if, if you heard that segment earlier, he mentioned his, his number on this game was way higher than 30. So, I don't know what's going on here. We're missing something. Uh, okay. 
Ashley, you said you wanted to go first, so here it goes. Well, want is a very strong <laughs> word. I did volunteer to go first, as we all, we get to this point. Of course, we mentioned these are the early picks. I'm no way marrying myself to this score prediction or this team prediction even. Um, I reserve the right to change my mind as we get into Friday. But I will say, sitting here on Thursday night as we record this, I just have a feeling the Browns are going to win this game. I feel like they're due for a win with what has happened the last two weeks. And I do feel like we've talked about this. They've been banged up. They've been exhausted. They were on the road for nine days by the time they had to play the Rams. And I think Joe Flacco is going to look a lot better. And I'm with Mary Kay. I'm just assuming Joe Flacco is going to start at this point. I think he's going to look a lot better with one more week of prep under his belt. And I know the Jags are really good on the road. They're up like 5-0 and on the road, but the Browns are 5-1 and at home. And I think they're going to really be reinvigorated just by being back at home and being in their beds and a normal schedule and all that. So I'm going way higher with the score here. Going to get a little weird, I guess. I'm going to go <laughs> Browns 26, Jags 20 for no reason. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Mary Kay, what do you have? You know what? It is hard to pick this game right now because we don't know if Trevor Lawrence is playing or not. And as Jim Schwartz observed today, if he does play, what version of him are you getting? Is he going to be mobile? Is he not? Is he going to make it through the first quarter? So it's tough to pick this game because I think that he would really give them a game if he were healthy. And he absolutely would have given them a game if he also had Christian Kirk. But none of those things are happening. Um, but I'm still going to pick the Browns in this game. I believe Amari Cooper is going to come back from his concussion just based on his demeanor in the locker room today. He seems like he's on the mend from the concussion protocol. And then Joe Flacco having another week under his belt, I think it's really going to help him. Uh, as Ashley mentioned, the Browns are 5-1 and one at home. They own Cleveland Browns Stadium. And I think that they're going to keep it rolling down there. I really do. So um, I am going to pick the Browns to win this game a little higher than, you know, than what the over-under is. And uh, I think I'm going to go somewhere in the 23 to 20 neighborhood. Okay, so it's going to be a clean sweep. Um, I, I'm nervous about picking this game just because I do think the Jags are good. I've been a little bullish on them most of the year, but I don't know. It was one of those things where I kind of had a feeling last, last week, I think the Rams are going to win, and I just kind of stuck with that all week. And this week I just have a feeling like the Jags coming up to Cleveland, I know they've been so good on the road and they win in London all the time and all of that. But I feel like coming to Cleveland, potentially windy, rainy, um, they aren't great against the pass, which is really what the Browns want to do. Uh, they want to throw the ball, and I think they can maybe get that going a little bit, especially like you said, Mary Kay, if Amari's back. Um, and Joe Mixon got the ball moving on the ground, right? Like that was, that happened. So maybe Jerome Ford can break a big one or maybe Kareem Hunt can get going or Pierre, Pierre Strong's. I, there's probably a big run in this game somewhere by the Browns. So I think the Browns are going to win this game. It might be a close one. Well, it should be a close one because the Jags are a really good team. But I do feel like kind of the, the elements of both of your picks, I'm kind of putting into mind as well. The, the idea, all the, like Ashley, like you said, that, they're back home. They're sleeping in their own beds. That trip is kind of behind them now. They should be rested up a little bit. So I'm going to pick the Browns, too. I'm going to say that they win this game. I'll go a little bit weird, too. I'll say 24 to 19. 
the Browns win. Did I steal one of your scores? No, no. Okay. I just want to add something else real quick that I was thinking about as, as you were talking about um, what's going on with this game. The great equalizer, as we all know, are the, the takeaways. It's the turnover mm-hmm. differential. Mm-hmm. And you've got the like number one or tied for number one takeaway team in the NFL that they're playing on Sunday in the Jaguars. And the Browns are tied for first or at least, or in first in giveaways with like 24 or something like that. So, you know, it's just not a good recipe when you got the guys willing to give you the ball and <laughs> these guys more than ready to take it away. So that's what has to happen on Sunday if the Browns want to win. They can't be giving the ball away. They cannot be giving the ball away. Joe can't be overly aggressive, and then the receivers are going to have to hang on. They're going to have to win their contested catches. They're going to have to, you know, hang on all the way through the roll to the ground, and, you know, this just can't be a game where they give it away. And can I say there's another vibe element to this, too? I feel like if they lose this game, it's not over, but it's going to really feel like this thing. For as much as I've said they got to get to 10, and I still think they could get to 10 if they lose this game, this would be so deflating to just have Jacksonville come in and beat you up, and it's like, okay, that was a real playoff team that came into Brown Stadium and beat you up, and now you're 7-6, and six, and you still might make the playoffs, but, yeah, this season might officially be lost. So I just don't feel like we're going to be – I don't feel like that's what we're going to be talking about Sunday. I think this team's going to rally – I think they're going to figure it out, and I think they're going to fight a little bit. Well, they would lose their playoff seating if they lose yeah. this game. They, they would drop out mm-hmm. of that spot, and they know they can't let that happen. Yeah, a desperate team. And so, yeah, clean sweep for the Browns here. We'll see how that works out for us. That could all change, though, by Saturday. I could, t- I could talk myself into any number of outcomes by the time we have to actually put these things in print. Uh, if you want to see those in print, they'll go up at cleveland.com slash Browns on Saturday. Uh, that's also where you can become a Football Insider subscriber. It's the blue banner at the top of the page to get info on that. Find us on Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk. Find us on YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. And I think that's everything. Oh, no, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For Lance, Tyler, Mary Kay, and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. 